Word, I'm gonna say the word. In the beginning was the word. 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 Was the word. From the studios of KJZZ in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to Word, a podcast about literature. Here's your host, Tom Maxidon. Coming up on this episode of Word, the winner of the National Book Award for his collection of poetry titled From Unincorporated Territory, Amat, is Craig Santos Perez, originally from Guam. Always remember, if we can write the ocean, we will never be silenced. Plus, the holiday season means it's time for NPR's annual Books We Love feature. We'll talk with lead curator Andrew Limbong, who also hosts the podcast Book of the Day. It's a very democratic approach to literature, right? It's not just here's the most serious books that you've got to read. It's all the books that you might just have fun reading. But first, Ryan Harding is a Tucson-based children's author whose two books titled Sherman, A Tucson Tortoise and Sedona's Quest incorporate virtual reality elements that are accessed with a smartphone or tablet. Harding has partnered with the Institute for Better Education Foundation, or IBE, and will donate $3 for every book sold online to help the organization carry out its mission of supporting Arizona families who face financial hardships. I actually loved to write kids' books when I was a kid. Then I went to uh, high school, had a basketball teacher for an English teacher, and that was the end of my writing career. I never wrote again uh, until a couple years ago, I realized that it was very difficult to find authors for children's books. I didn't think that would be the case, but uh, so I started writing them a couple years ago and I hired a bunch of editors. When you said because of your English teacher being a basketball coach, was it just that he didn't really imbue a love of writing? Exactly. Yes. I think he was really there for basketball. (laughs) (laughs) That's too bad. Of course, kids love to play and interact, and that's certainly integral to their learning. And these books do just that. Explain briefly how they work and the titles. So these are completely interactive books. We've got Sherman, a Tucson tortoise, which is a magic portal to Tucson, Arizona. So you get to see the Colossal Cave and the Pima Air and Space Museum, Desert Museum, a lot of Arizona or Tucson history specifically. And the other one that's out is Sedona's Quest, which takes you uh, through a magic portal to Sedona, Arizona, where you get to see Slide Rock and all of the wonderful um, geology that's there and learn a lot about the pioneers and then the early Native Americans there as well. And the way that these work are, uh, I use augmented and virtual reality. So I use a web-based platform and that means there's no apps. So I simply have a QR code on the front of the book and it recognizes each of the pictures in the book. And for each picture that you scan with a tablet or a smartphone, you are literally teleported into the story, into that actual place. So for Tucson, it's, it's all the places around Tucson and Sedona, same thing. And while you're in these 360 photographs that I go take, I've animated the characters and the kids love it because the first thing they do is, where's Sherman or where's Sedona? And they <laughs> look around the 360. Some of them will spin themselves in circles and make themselves dizzy. 
Uh, but <laughs> as adults, you can cheat and just swipe around. I was going to uh, say, sometimes adults, we do the same thing. Well, with yeah. Those panoramic <laughs> so, shots. So, have fun. <laughs> it's all designed to be fun. So, they find the character, they click on them, and then there's a 20 second audio of that particular place or you know, whatever history, et cetera, that they're learning for that particular scene. And then there's all magic icons and sound effects. And so they can go through the scene and there's questions that I ask. There's all kinds of other pictures. There's other videos all within that scene that they can play around with. And I tried to leave it open-ended. So it's just a lot of questions that they could discuss with their parents or grandparents or teachers. Um, you know, I, I wanted it to be more discussion points and also kind of sciencey and techy because, sure. you know, I'm a geek like that. Did you have the tech background to carry this out? And where did you come up with the idea? I did. I, I'm an electrical engineer. I'm an artist. And um, I my career was in innovation in corporate. So I worked with engineers and I was constantly looking uh, to determine what would be future problems that don't exist today and how would you solve them using future technologies that also don't exist today. And it turns out that it's actually a pattern and there's a process that you can put together. So while I was in corporate America, one of the companies I worked for was in media and entertainment. And putting the process through the, the grinder, uh, media and entertainment is going to become much more immersive, right? So very much interactive and not so passive. And my mom had been doing children's books and I was illustrating some for her. And I remember thinking, how on earth do you differentiate with the millions of kids' books that are out there, right? And also, she she's a teacher, so she wanted to have a lot of education in it. So her books were very dry and boring. <laughs> so uh, I thought, you know, I want them to be fun and entertaining for the kids, but I, I do also want them to be educational. And I saw a blog one day of, of uh, augmented reality in books. And I thought, oh, that's it. That's perfect. We take the augmented reality piece of it and we marry it with the traditional book platform. So it's a little bit of everything for everyone. And I just get to run around with my 360 camera and talk to people and talk to kids. And I love seeing the look on their faces when they're suddenly magically teleported to a place. Ryan Harding, thanks so much for coming to Word and talking to us. We'll put your next author appearance up, and we should say that some of the proceeds for the sales are going to benefit the Institute for Better Education Foundation. Ryan, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. You can find out a bit more about Ryan Harding and her upcoming appearance on our website, word.kjzz.org. Coming up, the winner of the National Book Award for Poetry is originally from Guam. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word, a KJZZ podcast about literature. Sure, KJZZ's Morning Edition covers the news, but you also hear analysis, music, economics, and science. Listen every morning and start the day off right. It's Morning Edition from 5 until 9 on KJZZ, on here, online, and on your phone.
So what do you want to do this weekend? Maybe get some help from KJZZ's Hotspots. It's a weekly text with some of the best ideas for what to do this weekend, curated by KJZZ. Whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, or feeling a bit wild, we've got you covered. So sign up at hotspots.kjzz.org. Have you started your holiday shopping yet? We have the perfect gift for that hard-to-buy-for person. Treat them to tickets to the First Press Fine Wine Festival, Saturday, February 17th, at the historically charming Wrigley Mansion. Don't miss your chance to take advantage of early bird ticket pricing now at firstpressarizona.com. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Regular listeners of this podcast know that I used to live on the island of Guam in the Western Pacific for about a decade. In fact, this show originated from the public radio studios of 89.3 KPRG. In mid-November, Guam was recognized for its contributions to literature at the National Book Awards, hosted by LeVar Burton with special guest Oprah Winfrey. One of the island's indigenous sons, writer Craig Santos Perez, took home the National Book Award for his collection of poetry titled From Unincorporated Territory, Amat. That last word means medicine in the language of Chamorro. Perez appeared on Word in 2000, and you can find the link to that convo on our website, word.kjzz.org. Here's a recap of the recent award ceremony presented on PBS, beginning with the announcement by National Book Award Poetry Panel Chair Hyde E. Erdrich. It's followed by Craig's remarks, and he also reads the Pacific written tradition from his prize-winning poetry collection. The finalists for the National Book Award for Poetry are John Lee Clark, How to Communicate, W.W. Norton & Company. Craig Santos Perez, from Unincorporated Territory, Amat. Omnidon Publishing. Brandon Somme, Tripias, Georgia Review of Books, University of Georgia Press. Eve Shockley, Suddenly We, Wesleyan University Press. And Monica Yoon, From From, Grey Wolf Press. This year's National Book Award for Poetry goes to, from unincorporated territory, Amat, Craig Santos Perez. Day, greetings. Uh, Sainama Asi to uh, the National Book Foundation. Sainama Asi, thank you to Hyde and, and all the judges. And Sainama Asi to all the poetry finalists, uh, all of whom I, I consider friends and whose work I admire. I want to thank my uh, partner, Olivia. Uh, I haven't written for about a year, and she's been so supportive of me and is getting me to write again, so thank you. Um, I want to thank my family, my brother and sister, my dad, and especially my mom, who's traveled here tonight. My mom. I'm from a very small island of Guam, and there's only one bookstore, and when I was a kid, my mom would take me there every week to always buy me a book, and she, <laughs> she instilled the love of, of reading and writing from a very young age, so thank you, Mom, I love you so much. 
As I mentioned, I come from Guam, which is a, a U.S. territory, one of the last remaining colonies in the world. And when I was growing up in, in kind of a colonial American school system, we were never taught my own people's literature. We were always taught American literature. And so when I started writing, my mission was to hopefully inspire the next generation of Pacific Islander authors. And so I wanted to end my remarks um, to read a poem, the last poem from this book. And, but before I do that, I also want to uh, thank my, my publishers, Omnidon, to Laura for helping me uh, typeset and design this book, to Rusty, uh, if, I'm not sure if you folks are watching back home, but Rusty's been my publisher and teacher for the last 20 years. I'm so grateful to you, Rusty, I love you so much. Um, and thank you also to, to Ken Keegan, uh, another publisher of Omnidon who is no longer with us. So with, with all those names, I want to share this poem. It's called The Pacific Written Tradition. I return home to Guam for the first time after 15 years away and visit an English class at one of Guam's public high schools. As I read aloud from my new book, I notice a student crying. What's wrong, I ask. She says, I've never seen our culture in a book before. I just thought we weren't worthy of literature. How many young islanders have dived into the depths of a book only to find bleached coral and emptiness? We were taught that missionaries were the first readers in the Pacific because they could decipher the strange signs of the Bible. We were taught that missionaries were the first authors because they possessed the authority of written words. Today, studies show that islander students read and write below grade level. It's natural, experts claim. Your ancestors were an illiterate oral people. Don't believe their claims. Our ancestors deciphered signs in nature, interpreted star formations and sun positions, cloud and wind patterns, wave currents, and ocean efflorescence. That's why Master Navigator Papa Mao once said, quote, if you can read the ocean, you will never be lost, end quote. Now let me tell you about Pacific written traditions, how our ancestors tattooed their skin with defiant scripts of intricately inked genealogies, how they carved epics into hard wood with sharpened points, their hands and the pressure and responsibility of memory, how they stenciled petroglyphic lyrics on cave walls with clay, fire, and smoke. So the next time someone tells you our people were illiterate, teach them about our visual literacies, our ability to read the intertextual sacredness of all things. And always remember, if we can write the ocean, we will never be silenced. You can find out a bit more about Craig Santos Perez and the National Book Foundation on our website, word.kjzz.org. Coming up. NPR's Andrew Limbong brings us Books We Love. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word, a KJZZ podcast about literature. Hey, it's Tiara. On All Things Considered, from KJZZ News and NPR, we hit pause on the news cycle for you, so you can get a handle on what you need to know and why it matters. Listen every afternoon from 3 until 6, on air, online, and on your phone. 
KJZZ's car donation program accepts all types of vehicles to support the programs you rely on. Whether it's a boat, car, truck, or RV, donating is easy and a great way to support your public radio station. Details at cars.kjzz.org. Hey, it's Peter Sagal. Some people think that smart speakers are a futuristic surveillance device straight out of George Orwell, constantly monitoring you as you engage in your most private actions and conversations. Well, they are. But did you know they're also a radio? That's right. You can ask your smart speaker to play NPR to hear your local station and all your favorite NPR shows. And it will. It will also report you to the central ministry. But why not enjoy yourself while you still can? Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Our final guest is NPR's Andrew Limbong, who reports from the network's Arts Desk. Limbong also hosts the network's Book of the Day podcast and is the lead curator for the annual Books We Love series of features, which you'll hear during flagship programs like Morning Edition, All Things Considered, and Weekend Edition. When we spoke recently, Limbong described how he makes his selections for the podcast and also what literary genres make the cut. Book of the Day podcast is a collection of all the best interviews we do at NPR throughout all the shows, right? So your morning editions, your all things considered, and weekend editions and all that. We try to figure out what's talkable. What's also interesting, what we do is we we try to pick out some newsy books, maybe books that came out within like the past year or so, but aren't at top of mind, but then something happens in the news sphere that speaks to the book's subject. And then we sort of like bring that to your attention. And so we cover all kinds of, of different books and all kinds of different author interviews. Personally, my favorite, actually, if I'm being real with you, are when when we have an excuse to dig like way, way, way back to do like to pull an interview from like the early 80s or something like that, like for like an NPR from like a different kind of era, different kind of sound, just because I, I love those interviews so much. And I think it's something that listeners really appreciate, too. Of course, you want to capitalize on news pegs from time to time, but also let's face it. A lot of times we want to get away from the news, right? And, you know, <laughs> yes, this, yes, very this much. Yeah. Constant day to day information blitz. How do you try and strike a balance between something that's maybe newsy and then something that's a deep dive, for instance, totally out of left field? You know how like when you make like a plate, when you fix yourself a plate for dinner, right? You just got to make sure you got your vegetables, you got your protein, you got your carbs, you got your dessert. That's like front and center. And that's sort of how I approach like the week. So sometimes I'll be like looking at the intros and be like, there'll be a book about climate change and another book about climate change and another book about how the world is at. And you're like, oh, buddy, let's... <laughs> Let's get some some other things on this plate. And so I try to strike a good balance of things that are not light, because I, I don't want to put that word on it, but right. like not heavy. You know, you want to think about different levels of digestibility. That's a great <laughs> metaphor. That's so beautiful. I love that description. We're always trying to attract younger audiences to engage with NPR. There's a big push from a programming standpoint to do such. How do you mm -hmm. address this in your own podcast? Like, what's the right balance between not turning off those longtime listeners, but also trying to attract and keep newer ones? So I think about that a lot of what the show will be will be me doing an intro and throwing to like an interview, like, say, Steve Inskeep does. Right. And we just have different styles of talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you can tell, but we're not the same kind of guy. Um, and so I, th I think when, when you think about like the, the voices that we feature and the voices that we put on the air and, and who are front and center, I think you want to let their personalities through. And I think tonally you can attract 
new audiences, but if you have like old standbys there too, you don't, you know, you get a gonna kind of get a mix of both, right? And then we're also then reliant on what coverage the shows are doing, right? And so we try to pick out some of the books that the shows are doing that we think might speak to new audiences and make sure we highlight those versus, let's say, like literary fiction that might not get a lot of play. You're covering everything. I want to make sure that people don't just get the impression that you're only pulling those deep literary things that maybe a handful of academicians would be interested in. Pop culture, uh-huh. right, is included. Yeah, pop culture, young adult books, sci-fi, fantasy. Yeah, we do the whole thing. I want to talk about the annual competition of great reads. Can you give us a couple of standouts and maybe some favorites of your own, for instance? Yeah. So every year, NPR does this thing called Books We Love. And so it is our collection of our favorite reads. Now, it's not like a top 10 list. It's not even a top 100 list. It's a, it's a collection of, I think, over 350 books we got. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, like we were just talking about, it's a very democratic approach to literature, right? It's not just here's the most serious books that you got to read, but it's it's all the books that you might just have fun reading. And so we have a bunch of filters to use to help whittle down that list and make it more manageable, obviously, because 350 is a big number. So you can get that down to like six if you, if you want. There's a biography of Vince McMahon called Ringmaster by Abraham <laughs> Josephine Rice. That's really, are you a wrestling head? I was in a former life. We'll put it that way. Okay. Yeah. And so what's great about this book is that um, it uses like the idioms of wrestling to sort of then examine, not directly, but, you know, to look at culture more widely, more, more broadly. Right. Because if you think about what a heel is, right. As someone who just like pretends to maybe act like a loudmouth bad guy to attract attention for you to like ultimately like root for him. It's like, oh, yeah, you can see that play out in in the attention ecosphere that we've got just like online these days. Um, And it's a really interesting take. um, And it's it's more than just a biography of Vince McMahon. Some of the other genres that are included, fantasy and sci-fi, there's a going deep on super specific topics list. And what's great about looking at the raw list without filtering them down is that you you can get a sense of the zeitgeist and what people are interested in. And I just noticed that, wow, there's a lot of writing about, uh, yeah, really specific topics going on. I know one I'm personally interested in and the celeb memoir sort of biography category is a book about Lou Reed, the king of New York. You know, he's Uh obviously been gone quite a long time. And it's interesting how these figures keep coming back up. Like people keep writing about them for one reason or another and their relevancy maybe to a modern era. Yeah, that's the Will Hermes book, who's, you know, he's a longtime critic on ATC. Yeah, I <laughs> I was just talking about it's like, oh yeah, that's definitely like on my list of like books to get as gifts, you know, for people. NPR's Andrew Limbong, who hosts Book of the Day podcast and also is the curator of Books We Love this year. Andrew, thanks so much for coming to Word. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You can find out a bit more about NPR's Andrew Limbong and Books We Love on our website, word.kjzz.org. We're back with another episode on December 12th. And since it's the giving season, perhaps you could give a gift of support to KJZZ and become a new member. Maybe $5, 10 or $20 a month is comfortable for your budget, but whatever amount you give is the right amount. Shows like Word and other KJZZ podcasts depend on the support of individual listeners like you. There's a link on our website for how to give online, and we thank you so much. You can find our shows on multiple platforms, including the NPR pod feed and now YouTube. I'm Tom Maxidon, and thanks so much for listening to Word. Word. Word? Word. What's the word? 
Thanks for listening to Word, a KJZZ podcast about literature. You can find all episodes online at word.kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts.